Baby, welcome to a happy Friday. It is August the 12th, 2022. Good Lord, we need this weekend, don't we? I'm Derek Hunter. This is the Derek Hunter Podcast. I appreciate the use of your ears, my friends, my Romans, my countrymen, and even those of you who are not. We're big in, like, Cyprus. I don't get it. I don't get it. But that's the weird. I don't fully understand all the notifications that I get. Thank God it requires minimal technical knowledge for me to upload this thing because i have no freaking idea what when it breaks i'm like i don't i hope it fixes itself and it usually does because i don't know i didn't set it up and i don't know that i could set it up and i don't think i could ever fix it if it did screw up but i appreciate that this gets to you and when it doesn't you guys let me know the email is derek allen hunter at gmail.com a-L-L-A-N. And you can also uh, support the show at patreon.com slash Podcast or derekhunter.locals.com. The Week in F and Review will be up at midnight, and you can only imagine what uh, <clears throat> what pleasantries will be exchanged about the news this week. Good Lord. Also, you can enter to win the contest. It is, who the hell is it? It's Kurt Schlichter versus Greg Gutfeld this week. Autographed books from both. You can win one or the other. So good luck at that. Let us start the program so we can get this underway and start our weekend. A busy news day, as always, and we've got to start off with the big lie. The, there are a couple of things. Just, I love it. The Democrats are so full of it. I'm surprised that, that anybody has any color hair but brown. They're so full of it. They're like, my daughters have a lot of Play-Doh around the house, right? You have to watch them because they'll... If left to their own devices, they'll smash it into the couch. They'll smash it into the carpet. They'll smash it into each other's hair sometimes. You know, it just they smash it into everything. Kids will wrestle and roll into it. It'll get everywhere if you don't watch them. But they have those people. They're, um, they're not very well-defined people. They kind of look like an egg. You stuff Play-Doh into them, and uh, they got a bunch of holes. They, like, uh, they look like Joe Biden's hair. You know, they got the, the holes for where the plugs go in. And you set the person on the, you fill them with, fill them with Play-Doh and you set them on the little bar, the, the bar stool, the uh, barber stool, twist it out of there and then you push this, crank this thing and the hair grows. The thing comes up, uh, what would be essentially their butt, and pushes the Play-Doh out of their hair. And it really does. It looks like Joe when he just got his hair plugs done. That, uh, that's how full of it democrats are and you're amazed that you're like why why isn't their hair brown they are redefining everything right in front of your eyes and all at once it there there's a thing flooding the zone you want to flood the zone if you want to overwhelm and confuse your political opponents you flood the zone with everything you got and that's what democrats are doing they're talking about the fifth amendment oh he's uh president trump invoked the fifth amendment and therefore, he's guilty. And here's why this, that, and like, wait, a, that's what was really bizarre to me is there was a so-called civil rights attorney on Morning Joe this morning. I never heard of this guy before. He, uh, his name is Charles Coleman Jr. Actually, let me look him up because 
I don't uh, I don't know who he is. Maybe he's somebody special. Charles Coleman is apparently a murderer. Charles Coleman Jr. According to his own website, Charles Coleman is a seasoned civil rights attorney and legal analyst. Seasoned. He's very seasoned. They marinated him overnight. So he's super duper seasoned. And you sit there and you go, okay, civil rights attorney. Now, I don't know about you. I... I uh, I want my civil rights attorneys to have a, a firm understanding of the Constitution, right? That, that's how I like my civil rights attorneys. But when you have so-called civil rights attorneys who don't understand the concept of the Fifth Amendment and how it works, I, uh, I have difficulty with that. I want you to listen to him on Morning Joe this morning. He conflates everything, the raid on Mar-a-Lago and the... The president, the former president, being interrogated by the attorney general of the state of New York, who swore she ran on a, on a platform of, I will get Donald Trump for something. I don't know what. I will do whatever I have to do. I will screw him. I will pursue him to the ends of the earth. She was like, she ran to be Captain Ahab. She didn't run to be attorney general of the state of New York. She certainly doesn't seem to be bothering herself too much with the crimes going on in New York. So uh, it seems as though she ran to be the Ahab to Donald Trump's white whale. And he can't, he confuses the two matters, conflates He doesn't, theoretically, I mean, a civil rights attorney should know what the Fifth Amendment is and how the Fifth Amendment works. You would think the uh, right to not incriminate yourself is pretty critical to the civil rights movement. Pretty critical to any lawyer whatsoever. I think that I didn't go to law school, but uh, as somebody who didn't go to law school, I know quite a bit about it. I would think that somebody who did go to law school would know a lot about it, and somebody who's a self-proclaimed civil rights attorney would know even more about it. So that leaves the op option that either Coleman is dumb or he's lying, knowing that his audience is dumb. Which one? It doesn't really matter. Just interesting. Listen to this guy talk on Morning Joe. You know, Donald Trump is, is getting a very different perspective on how the legal system works. And this is the perspective that does not shield itself from privilege. And he's enjoyed that. If you know anything about how he's tended to operate, he almost likes to make a mockery of being sued. He has made depositions in the past, these verbal sparring matches between attorneys, and he's been notably a very difficult person to depose. But what we're seeing now is he is very clear about the magnitude and the gravity of what's at stake. And that's why you're seeing a very different tune than you have from him in the past. I think that it's absolutely accurate. Viewers need to understand, and I think Barbara touched on this, there's no way that you get a search warrant issued, particularly for someone's home, if you cannot describe with specificity and particularity where the information or where the evidence that you are seeking is actually located within the domicile. It has to be a part of how search warrants are written, because I've written them before, and how they are executed, mm. because I've seen how they are executed. That type of information does not come at random. It comes because someone knows and because someone has supplied that information. So wow. everything about what we're seeing now in this change of tune from Donald Trump going from someone who basically derided other people for taking the fifth and now has decided to take the fifth himself is a very clear indication that he understands that he's in serious hot water. He is in serious, serious hot water. It's a serious hot water. 
Except that he's not. He's conflating everything you can possibly imagine. He's conflating the criminal sort of uh, probe, the fishing expedition in New York, where the attorney general admitted she doesn't have anything on Donald Trump, but she is going to investigate him to find out whether or not he has committed any crimes. It's profoundly un-American. A civil rights attorney is, is cool with that. He's cool with that. She's conflating that with the raid on Mar-a-Lago. And I find it interesting that, well, you don't get these kind of warrants unless you know exactly where, what it is, what you're looking for. And it's described. Well, why were they in there for nine and a half hours? If, the, if this guy is a civil rights attorney worth his weight in you know, dog excrement, I would think that a civil rights attorney, if you're at all interested in the concept of civil rights and not a political agenda using the term civil rights as a delivery device, you would be a little bit suspicious of, hey, the government, which is the only entity that can abuse your rights, government, abusing their rights. We are going in for these 10 boxes. We know exactly where they are. Now everybody get the hell out of here, turn off all security cameras, and we'll see you guys at dinner time. That should be a bit of concern for anybody. Because that goes from a specific warrant looking for something in particular to let's dig around and see what we can find. One would think a civil rights attorney, in air quotes, would be interested in such things. But then again, your civil rights attorney is the cloak in which partisan hacks wrap themselves in order to gain some semblance of credibility. It's a joke. It's a joke. Ben Crump. I'm a civil rights attorney. Yeah, yeah, Ben. You're an ambulance chaser, but with a uh, racial component. That's all you are. That's all you are. No shame in it. Ambulances need to be chased, I suppose. But um, when you're tweeting out this anniversary of the murder of Michael Brown, that's sweet, innocent. Yeah. How many, uh, how many robberies didn't happen? Let's shed a tear for that. He was attacking a police officer. Even their, the family's own forensic report showed that. But that's beside the point. We're straying. So this guy, Coleman, he's confusing criminal probes and civil probes. He talks about, oh, Trump has uh, always been uh, sort of cavalier about how he's been sued. Donald Trump being sued civilly by former business partners or disgruntled employees or whatever is very different than a criminal probe. Once more, I would say that one would expect a civil rights attorney to know the difference betwixt the two. Just saying. I would think a civil rights attorney, again, every time I say that, it's with cynicism and in air quotes, just at the concept. A civil rights attorney would know the difference between a civil lawsuit and a criminal probe. He's counting on the audience not knowing the difference. The gang at Morning Joe certainly wouldn't know the difference. They're not very bright. They barely pay attention, so they're off in la-la land. Who knows what uh, hand games Mika and Joe are playing under the table since they're at home in Florida pretending to be in New York, so nobody's around them. They could do anything. But then it gets to the pleading of the fifth. And we've seen this throughout the left yesterday after it was reported that Donald Trump pled the Fifth Amendment. He asserted his Fifth Amendment privilege. This is being used as evidence of guilt. Evidence of guilt. That is the only way to look at it. Did you know, according to one reporter, Donald Trump invoked the Fifth Amendment? 
400 times. 400 times. A guy named Zach Cohen, who is a, a national security reporter at CNN. This tells you about the quality of people that they hire at CNN. Says uh, in response to somebody who uh, tweeted out his investigative political reporter at the Washington Post, a guy named Josh, Josh Dawsey. He tweets out a tumultuous week amid a tumultuous week. Trump takes fifth more than 400 times. And Zach Cohen, national security reporter, responds, not really apples to apples, but Alex Jones took the fifth about 100 times during his interview with the January 6th committee. So 400 seems like a lot. 400 seems like a lot. Zach. Now, Zach isn't very bright. He works at CNN, so there you go. But if even I, as an attorney, understand that in criminal investigations and even congressional investigations or whatever, any investigation where you are under oath and asserting your Fifth Amendment, you have to assert it on everything. On everything. It's uh, you state your name and whatever it is, and then they go, all right, well, on uh, June 12th, did you murder Dan Johnson? Uh, I assert my Fifth Amendment privilege. What did you have for lunch today? You can't go, I had a nice, lovely ham sandwich with some great gorgons. No, no, you don't get to do that. Because the second you do that, then you have waived your Fifth Amendment. So you have to say, uh, what did you have for lunch today? I assert, on the advice of counsel, I assert my Fifth Amendment privilege. How are you feeling today? On the advice of counsel, I assert my Fifth Amendment privilege. So the 400 number is not indicative of anything it's not as though there were a thousand questions asked and on 600 of them donald trump gave an answer but on the other 400 he said well a little bit dodgy and didn't want to talk about it that's not how it works what it is indicative of versus alex jones which is apropos of nothing is that the january 6th committee was doing it for show and they asked alex jones 100 questions the Attorney General of New York was also doing it for show. The only difference is there's no cameras there, but you got the number out 400 times. That means knowing full well and having been informed by Donald Trump's counsel and by the former president himself that no matter what he was asked, he would assert his Fifth Amendment privilege. The Attorney General before the grand jury still said, I'm going to ask him 400 different questions really quickly so that I can say, look at how many times he asserted the Fifth Amendment. Realistically, he asserted it once, one time. He just had to do it that one time repeatedly because of the way that the Attorney General is very Ahabby in pursuing, pursuing him. And idiot reporters out there for CNN and the Washington Post go, well, it seems like an awful lot of times. He's, what is he hiding that he's answering this 400 times at the Fifth Amendment? Well, there was no time that he answered it. They knew full well he was going to do this. Why? Not because he's guilty. That is actually unconstitutional and, frankly, anti-American to assume guilt through the Fifth Amendment. I know politicians on both sides of the aisle do it all the time and they weaponize it. But from a legal standpoint... You cannot, cannot use that against somebody. You have the right to remain silent if you give up that right. Anything you say, can say will be used against you in a court of law. But the fact that you won't say anything can't be used against you. Can't be. 
They want it to, because this is about the court of public opinion as much as anything else. Either that or literally the media is full of morons. I'd say it's about 50-50, half from column A, half from column B. But the concept remains. The attorney general of New York said she would get Donald Trump. That was the reason for her existence. And so she's going after him. There's no specific criminal probe. It is, did you commit a crime? Let's find out if you've committed a crime. There's a thing called a perjury trap where she has subpoenaed and obtained tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of pages of documents and communications inside the Trump organization. She can ask Donald Trump about anything under oath. And if he misremembers anything, that can be used as a charge of perjury. Do you really think somebody, Letitia James, who has sworn to destroy Donald Trump, would let a fact, well, you, he got the date wrong, or you know what, he got a few numbers wrong in his memory from something that was from five years ago. Do you really think she'd sit around and look at that? No, it'd be, he lied to me and this grand jury 78 times and tested. That would be the headline. That's all they need. 78 times Trump lied. He lied. He lied. Perjury. So we're charging him with 78 counts of perjury. So you would you would be engaged in legal malpractice to allow your client to answer any questions whatsoever under circumstances like that. You'd have to be insane to do that. And if your lawyer comes in and says, you know what, just uh, to the best of your ability, answer the questions however you can. Just give it a shot. It, uh, no big deal. You know, ballpark it. If your lawyer did that, you need to fire your lawyer immediately. But uh, Donald Trump has better lawyers than apparently Morning Joe can get as guests or CNN or the Washington Post can hire as correspondents. And thank God for that. I just love these people like, well, he's not. It's the Fifth Amendment, so he must be guilty. Okay, great. Uh, Then every time police come for you or anybody, you, you go ahead and talk to them. You don't understand the Constitution. That's okay. It's okay. You don't understand how under the British it was in this country and why something like the Fifth Amendment and the Fourth Amendment, why those were written, why those, were, why those exist. You don't have to. You don't have to understand your rights to be protected by them. That's the beauty of this country. Whereas other countries, uh, their systems of justice, they will try to trick you. And they'll deny, if you don't know it, man, uh, they ain't going to help you. Or you don't have these rights to begin with. Here you do. Even if you don't know about them, even if you don't know about them, you, if a good lawyer, even a bad lawyer will go, you know what, they violated his right. They didn't uh, read him his rights. They didn't do this. They didn't do that. And they're like, oh, all right. Well, it doesn't matter that he was caught standing over the body in the act of stabbing the body. Uh, they executed the search warrant wrong. We have to throw that out. And then any evidence they got from there, we have to throw that out too. And you sit there and you go, how does this lunatic get away with it? Now, it's an extreme case. doesn't happen very often, thank God. But how that lunatic gets away with it is because there are rights, certain rights that you can't just wave aside because the end result is good. Now, that may seem absurd. And if your loved one was murdered or you hear about that horrible case where the guilty gets away on a technicality, you go, that's horrible. But that exists to protect our rights. It's a good thing, ultimately.
and always individually, but ultimately it is because it keeps the government in check. And what our government, our system of government exists to do is keep government in, used to. Now Democrats just sort of roll right over it, but uh, it used to keep people in check. Now, sadly, we have uh, 40% of the country who simply do not care about rights, about what is right, about anything having to do with anything. They hate the other side and will do, and, and frankly, not super proud to admit it, but um, uh, if the stigma attached to it is becoming less and less. I, I hate them back. I'm hating them back. <laughs> I just, I look at what some of these people do and I get disgusted. I get physically angry and I sit there and I go, I just, I can't care when bad things happen. The, the, the humanity of bad things happening to somebody, I go, well, you know what? Too bad. It's what you voted for. I don't want to be that person. I do my best to fight it, but my first instinct sometimes is I don't care. Or this person is a jerk and good riddance to them. I don't take to social media and immediately dance on somebody's grave. Like Harry Reid, I think, was one of the most corrupt human beings to ever serve in government. When he died, I didn't go out there and say, oh, Harry Reid, there's a nice uh, corner of hell waiting for Harry Reid. He's now down there unpacking his socks. I didn't do that. So many people on the left do that. When Ronald Reagan, if Ronald, social media wasn't around when Ronald Reagan died, but uh, George H.W. Bush the left went after him. Pretty much anybody who is concerned. Look, when Donald Trump dies, whenever it happens, you're going to see some really disgusting things. You're going to. You know you're going to. Because you've seen it for people who weren't president of the United States. You've seen it for people who are just, uh, you know, they offended liberals somehow, existed wrong, and they cheer the death of a conservative. They absolutely love it. They enjoy it. They enjoy the, the schadenfreude. And then when you say, all right, well, here's a dose of your own medicine, you can even take their words word for word, quote it back to them and just change the name. And those very same people will go, what an outrage that you said that. I can't believe you said that. Like, are you, are you this unaware of what you do, of how you exist? Is this unaware of what's going on in your own, in your own head? The answer is yes. Most of the time, the answer is absolutely yes. To demonstrate the Trump derangement syndrome, though, uh, I saw this on social media. It's from Newsmax. I assume it was a Newsmax interview out in front of Trump Tower yesterday. Some random New York City liberal, they stopped. They wanted to give, hey, you want to have a chance on, on camera to rant about how evil Donald Trump is in front of Trump Tower? And nine out of ten liberals in New York City will take themselves that uh, avail themselves of that opportunity this liberal it does exactly what i've joked about before if you want to confuse a liberal ask him for a specific if you want to stumble you want to see somebody go jeez i just don't know ask him for a specific just ask him for any kind of specific they can't do it they don't have it in them because they don't have any specifics it is pavlovian the bell rings and they hate the bell rings and they hate the bell rings and they hate Listen to this person get stumped by the simple question of what, what crimes did Donald Trump commit? President that had committed this many provable criminal acts. But what are the provable criminal acts, I guess? <sighs> provable criminal acts. Well, right, I'm just, I, I, <clears throat> I'm done talking. I'm done talking. 
<laughs> I'm not talking. I, that's provable criminal. He's, the president has committed this many provable criminal acts. All right, well, uh, name one. It's like saying, God, I, I love everything at this buffet. All right, well, what's your favorite thing at the buffet? Uh, well, just name one. If, if you love everything, give me just a good exa- an example of something good at this buffet. Uh, uh, you can't answer it. I would begin to question whether or not you've ever eaten at that buffet, and I would probably begin to question your sanity if you couldn't name one single single thing at the buffet. This guy, all these provable, he watches MSNBC. If you watch MSNBC, you will hear Donald, where was Donald Trump during the Kennedy assassination? You know, Lee Harvey Oswald said he was a patsy. Was Donald Trump in Dallas in November 1963? We don't know. We have yet to see a denial on the record by Donald Trump. So we can't say. That's the level of insanity that we've reached over there. But that Trump derangement syndrome is Pavlovian. I hate him. I hate him. What did he do? I just hate him. Why? Because I hate him. Why? Well, he he upset the norms. You mean like the norms of instead of just asking for documents back, sending the FBI in for a nine and a half hour raid of the president, former president's that sort of norm, that sort of thing is it the uh, a guy being charged with a misdemeanor contempt of Congress, being arrested on a plane and shackled. He's in his seventies, shackled and marched through Reagan Airport. That's that sort of norm. What's going on now isn't normal. It just so happens to be what liberals want. Liberals like it. Liberals enjoy it. So they don't care that it's not normal. They cheer it anyway. Uh, you know, talk about a third world dictatorship. Shifting gear, just because we're talking about government abuse. There is a, uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on out there in the world. The IRS, the Internal Revenue Service, posted a, a job listing. Now that they're going to be able to hire 87,000. I don't believe for a second. Let me just say that there are not going to be that many agents hired. There'll be a lot of them. They'll hire a lot of them. But it is uh, going to be a little bit different. It's going to be way different than 87,000. Like Bill Clinton, if you remember the crime bill back in uh, 94 or whatever it was, Joe Biden claims that as one of his great accomplishments, the crime bill, until Democrats decided they didn't dislike crime. They actually preferred crime. And then he had to pretend that he didn't uh, author the crime bill and apologize for it. But the crime bill put 10,000 police, Bill Clinton just dined out and they said this constantly, 10,000 new police officers, we got 10,000 new police officers out there on the street. No, they didn't. They never got to 10,000. There were funds in there that were diverted, that were promised, that were moved. It was just, it was a scam, but they, there were the money theoretically in there over the course of a decade to hire 10,000 new police. They never came close to it. But uh, they claimed it. Immediately, we put 10,000 new police officers on the street. I think Rush Limbaugh used to track this back in the 90s, and it was, it was like 1,500 cops or something that they maybe had funded. And 10,000 new police officers. It's the same kind of thing that you're seeing with these 87,000 agents. Now, I'm not telling you you're safe. 
I'm not telling you there aren't going to be agents. But for accounting purposes, they had to say, we're going to hire 87,000 agents. They're going to conduct 87,000 or whatever it was, 87,000 audits. And that is going to net us $100 billion. That's all made up. But that $100 billion is then spent immediately in the bill on something else. And they can say, we didn't actually, we're not, there's not deficit spending in this. And you say, how you're spending $100 billion right there. Well, that money is pay, that's paid for by those 87,000 agents going out and conducting those audits of those evil corporations. So the 87,000, they're not going to hire 87, it would take them years to hire 87,000. If they said, they'll hire some, they'll, have a, they'll hire a, a few hundred this year, a few thousand next year over time. But 87,000 is a lot of people. There aren't that many people qualified out there to be IRS agents, even frontline goons. So it's an accounting gimmick. I just want to impress upon that. They'll hire as many as they need to or as many as they want, but they'll find a way to uh, misappropriate the funds to other things, ironically enough, being the IRS. Yet um, they continue to lie about things. They continue to make things up. They continue to, well, in any event, the IRS posted a job posting they deleted it now why would you why would the irs post a job listing and then delete it well the answer is pretty simple they didn't they didn't like the public knowing it probably wasn't ready it probably hadn't been run through or the blowback was like oh geez what's going on national uh review has the story the irs deleted a job posting wednesday seeking a special agent quote willing to use deadly force end quote for its law enforcement division criminal investigation ci The deletion came amid renewed scrutiny of the IRS in response to a Democrat-backed spending bill that would double the size of the agency. Quote, as a special agent, you will combine your accounting skills with law enforcement skills to investigate financial crimes. The job advertisement read, quote, no matter what the source, all income earned, both legal and illegal, has the potential of being uh, becoming involved in crimes which fall within the investigative jurisdiction of the IRS criminal investigation. Because of the expertise required to conduct these complex financial investigations, IRS special agents are considered the premier financial investigators for the federal government. Now, it was always my understanding that it was the Secret Service. Yes, they do personal protection of the president, but they also do counterfeiting and financial crimes. But whatever, whatever. The major duties listed in the job descriptions include, quote, a level of fitness necessary to effectively respond to life-threatening situations on the job, end quote, and being, quote, willing and able to participate in arrests, execution of search warrants, and other dangerous assignments, end quote. It also includes the carrying of, quote, a firearm and be willing to use deadly force if necessary, end quote. The IRS. Now, this has nothing to do with the 87,000. I've gotten a lot of emails about, what about this? What about this? Yeah, it has nothing to do with um, the 87,000 agents, which I still believe to be an accounting gimmick. 
But I just wanted to point that out. And I'm aware of it. They deleted it. The job has not been deleted. The job has not been deleted. Most of these jobs, quite frankly, as in most professions, you tend to get to know somebody in the same profession. You, you know, you don't necessarily become friends with everybody in that profession. But working in radio, you get to know other people in radio. There are conferences. If you work in think tanks, you know people in think tanks. If you work in law enforcement, you know other people in law enforcement. Because you've gone from agency to agency, from department to another department, from state to federal to whatever. And so most of these people, most of these jobs are filled by people that know somebody. They just do. There are very few people, especially fresh out of college, that nobody knows anybody who gets a job like that. You want somebody with experience. That I understand. So the fact that the job description, the job posting was deleted doesn't mean the job's going away. The job is not going away. The job is the job. They wouldn't have listed the job if they didn't need somebody to do the job. So, yeah, um, don't get your hopes up on things changing dramatically. Just understand that the Biden administration is going to do things um, hidden. They're going to do things behind the scenes. They're going to do things below board. They want to keep things private, secret. So there you go. Just I, I wanted to comment on that because it's one of those things where people get a little worried the job exists it's not a new job there are people in this job right and this is not the 87,000 people who um the FBI is going to be hiring this is different this is a, an existing gig but just for the record the so-called uh, what do you call it the inflation reduction act which they've stopped talking about inflation it's amazing they passed through this through the senate it's the inflation reduction act we're gonna it, 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 we have to address inflation the inflation reduction act we will damage it will defeat it will destroy inflation and then it passes through the senate and what are the headlines and what are the liberals saying we've passed historic climate legislation well, how does that, what about inflation? Screw inflation, that was just cover. It's a smokescreen. This is about climate. This is about unions. This is about everything. You know, wait a second. That's not, that's not how we were sold, this piece of legislation. And sitting out there laughing all the way to the bank is Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema. Like, remember that? They were the hard gets. Oh, they were the hard gets. They had a, Democrats really had to make some serious sacrifices to get the support of those two United States senators, principled moderates that they are. They finally got their support, and then they were able to pass the bill. So good on them and good on everybody, and now the country can move forward and fight inflation. And they ran around and said, we're fighting inflation. And now that it's passed the Senate, it's about climate change. It's about climate change and raising taxes. And you sit there and you go, how does that square? Nobody's run back to Joe Manchin and said, hey, uh, <clears throat> that, that bill you said fought inflation, you voted for it because you said it fought inflation. They're now saying it won't fight inflation, and they aren't even pretending that it fights inflation anymore. You got any, any comment on that, Senator Manchin? They're not hanging around his houseboat going for comment on that, no. It's weird, isn't it? But that thing hasn't, with the IRS agents, that hasn't passed the House of Representatives today yet. It's supposed to today or tomorrow, whatever. They're going to hold that vote as soon as possible. And it will pass because all Democrats will vote for it. And they don't have to be there. In the Senate, a COVID outbreak could have 
screwed up passage of that. But in the House, they can vote by proxy. They can vote remotely. So it doesn't really matter. But you're looking at a situation where it's completely different over there. So it hasn't been. And the IRS couldn't legally list jobs that have not yet become in existence legally. So this job posting has nothing to do with the uh, the bill, just so you know. I want to point out, this is, uh, God, this is hilarious. There's a piece in the Washington Post, a news story, and it just demonstrates how clueless the media are. I, uh, I despise the media just, you know, so there's no ambiguity. But it is hilarious. A guy named Matt Visser writes a piece entitled, quote, Biden, comma, trying to tout his policies, comma, faces a familiar intruder, colon, Trump. Trump. And the subheadline, for much of his presidency, Biden has had to compete for attention with the former guy who left office a year and a half ago but has never really left the public consciousness. Now, for the record, occasionally Donald Trump does do rallies, events, he does release statements endorsing candidates. I find it's not important. I don't think that they're really difference makers in very many cases, but whatever. Um, but what he mostly does is golf and go about his business, right? That's what Donald Trump is almost semi-retired, or at least maybe he's going to run again. Who knows? But at least for the moment, for all intents and purposes, he's semi-retired, whereas once, twice, maybe three times in the course of a month, he will travel to a city and do an event, which he has a blast doing. So you can't really blame him for that. And he'll go to Alaska for an event for Sarah Palin, or he'll go to CPAC and blah, 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 all of that. He is not out there in the public eye screaming, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. He's golfing. He's doing other things. Donald Trump went to dinner today. It doesn't matter if Donald Trump sat at home in his underpants watching television for a week straight. The Washington Post would still find a way to make everything about him. MSNBC would still find a way to make everything about him. That's what's happening. It's not that Donald Trump won't leave the public consciousness. It is that the media will not get over him. Joe Biden is president of the United States. Think of that what you will and think of how he got there what you will. I don't care. He is president of the United States. What he does on a daily basis and the damage he is actively pursuing for this country, on this country, is significantly more important than anything Donald Trump does on any given day. It is significantly more important than what Donald Trump does on a given day. Yet everything he does is filtered through, here's Donald Trump, here's Donald Trump. Donald Trump did this. Did you know that Donald Trump did that today? Did you know that Donald Trump did the other thing today? And you sit there and they say that it's Donald Trump who hasn't left the public consciousness. Donald Trump hasn't left it. Poor Joe Biden is being hindered. Joe Biden's popularity is lagging because the guy he allegedly got 5 million more votes than, it won't leave the public consciousness. If the people voted for Joe Biden because they couldn't stand Donald Trump, then a constant reminder of Donald Trump's existence should be a boon to Joe Biden's popularity, should it not? You may not like Joe, but here is what you hated more. 
that should be a, a no-brainer, but it's not. The story is President Biden stood out the White House, outside the White House on Tuesday, celebrating what was arguably the best stretch of his presidency. He smiled. He basked aviators firmly in place in the sun. He signed his latest legislative priority into law. Quote, decades from now, people are going to look back at this week with all we passed and all we moved on and say that we met the moment at this inflection point in history, end quote, Biden said, before signing a bill to boost semiconductor manufacturing. That may be true, but they also may not remember it tomorrow. Cable news channels covered his remarks, but then quickly returned to the topic they had been covering before the brief interlude. Donald Trump. For much of his presidency, Biden has had a hard time competing for attention with the predecessor he calls the former guy, the one who left office a year and a half ago, but never really left the public consciousness. The news is often not particularly positive for the former president. Revolution, revelations about his term, congressional testimony and hearings, legal rulings and complications, but it can nonetheless eclipse Biden's ability to deliver his message and command public attention. Poor Joe Biden. Poor, sweet, sweet, nourishing Joe Biden. <laughs> you gotta love this crap. They can't quit him. They can't stop writing about him. They can't stop talking about him. He's just going about his business and uh, like, oh, Joe Biden, he just can't catch a break. Well, you guys decide what is and isn't news. You guys decide what is and isn't reported on. If Donald Trump is keeping your hero from basking in all the glory to which he is entitled, then stop talking about him. The fact of the matter is they can't quit Trump. Trump quit them a long time ago. They can't quit him. It's like Brokeback Mountain Newsroom Edition. I just, I can't, I wish I could quit you. I can't quit you. Well, fire them. <laughs> That's it. What horrible people. Okay, I want to shift to gear. I want to talk about inflation. Because uh, in the last show, I played you the President of the United States uh, lying lying, flat out lying, about inflation. Zero percent inflation. Zero Inflation was 9.1% last month uh, or two months ago in June. In July, it went down to zero. If that were the case, then prices would have dropped. Prices would have dropped significantly. They would have dropped about 10%, almost 10%. If that were the case, it's not the case. But uh, just uh, for fun, I want to play this again for you. The President of the United States yesterday declaring an economic, it's a festivist economic miracle. About the news that came out today relative to the economy. Actually, I just want to say a number. Zero. Today, we received news that our economy had 0% inflation in the month of July. Zero percent. Here's what that means. While the price of some things go up, went up last month, the price of other things went down by the same amount. The result, zero inflation last month. But people are still hurting. But zero inflation last month. Zero. People are still, if, if there's zero inflation, why are people still hurting? Why would that, why would that be? Like, oh, the gas, price of a gallon of gas went down by a dollar. 
but the price of a gallon of milk went up by a dollar. Okay, or the price of a gallon of uh, orange juice went up by a dollar. Well, there's a bit of a problem in the way that would be calculated anyway. The concept, orange juice is nice, not necessary. Gasoline, necessary. So you see the difference that people would probably buy, I would guess, more gallons of gas in the course of a month than they would gallons of milk or gallons of orange juice. Again, the scales fall in one direction. So you see all these sorts of garbage things. But... um that's not at all the case. The inflation rate year over year, meaning July of 2021 versus July of 2022, is that prices were 8.5% higher, which is inflation. That's the infl- normally it's, you know, 2 to 3% a sort of cost of living adjustment. Guy uh, on Twitter put it this way pretty brilliantly, uh, Razor Hale or Hale Razor, said 2005, inflation rate of 3.39% was called what by Democrats? The worst economy since Herbert Hoover. 2019, under Donald Trump, inflation rate of 2.49%, Democrats called that what? A miserable failure, a disgrace, horrible economy. They won Congress based in part on those lies. 2022, an inflation rate of 8.5%, is an amazing accomplishment, which really means there's no inflation. Thank God for Joe Biden. Now, you could sit there and you say, well, Joe Biden is a senile old doddering fool. He could have just misspoken. You know how he is when he goes off on tangents. I absolutely do. I point it out regularly. But let's go to the tape. Because later that day, Jared Bernstein, who is a top economic advisor to the President of the United States, went on Fox. He makes a slightly more nuanced, therefore not a complete and total lie argument, but the intent is to deceive the audience. Listen to him try to make this case. Here's what Americans are dealing with. Eggs are up 38%. Margarine, 32, flour, 22, coffee, 20, soup, 19%, lunch meat, 18%. Can you say today that inflation has peaked in America, given these numbers? What I can say today is that inflation went up 0% in the month of July. Zero per, okay, inflation went up, zero, up is the difference. Joe Biden said there was no inflation in July. There was 8.5% inflation in July. He is saying it went up 0% in July. At least he didn't try to say it went down 0.6%. I think even the people they're lying to and inclined to believe them would recognize that a 0.6% drop in inflation is nothing to celebrate. And they're celebrating it. But he's very specific in, in his lie. So it's technically true, but it's designed to fool the public. And you have to be really kind of stupid to fall for this, which is a testament to what Democrats think of their supporters, that if you can say something so patently false and absurd and think you can get away with it, you really don't have a lot of faith in your audience. You really think the people watching or listening or whatever are incredibly stupid if you buy in, if they, you think they're going to buy into this thing. So you say, well, that's just two people. Well, that argument has been sort of tried to be made in media. And even Karine Jean-Pierre, tried to make this argument in written form on her official government Twitter account. So she's officially lying on her government Twitter account. 
Karine Jean-Pierre, who is historic, by the way, I just want to make sure that I, I think by law you have to acknowledge how historic she is because of her skin color, her sexual preference, and uh, where she was born. Not so much her abilities. She's historically bad in that, but they don't celebrate that very often over there on the left, even though they win it an awful lot. Karine Jean-Pierre took to her Twitter account and said, quote, we just received news that our economy had 0% inflation in July. 0% inflation in July. Again, a, a 10%. You should have stocked up on canned goods when there was that 10% fire sale in July. While the price of some things went up, she continues, the price of others, like gas, clothing, and more, dropped. Oh, good. Yeah, you're paying more for food but you're paying less for new socks. Well, I don't need new socks. Yeah, but you're paying less for them. No, I'm, I'm paying nothing for them because I don't need socks. Shut up. I understand that you're paying twice as much for food. That's beside the point. When you buy your next round of socks and you get some Fruit of the Looms for good measure, you will be paying, you know, 3% less. I'm paying twice as much for for food. Shut up. Sometimes I'm paying twice as much for, for electricity, for energy. Yeah, I know, but when you go and buy a new stylish fedora, which is all the rage today with the kids, is these fedoras, everybody knows. When you go and buy your next fedora, you will save a good 2.5%. So, you know, that's a six of one, half a dozen of another. And I don't know if you know, uh, food is necessary. Yeah, but you, have you ever tried eating a fedora? If you smoke, I don't recommend you grill it. Just smoke it. For about six hours. Nice hickory. It's a delicious, delicious and nutritious meal. Hmm. She then continues the historic Karine Jean-Pierre. She says, in fact, the current drop in gas prices is the fastest in a decade, saving American families with two cars $106 per month on average. Oh, yay. Of course, gas prices are more than a uh, dollar. They're, they're very excited. Today, as a matter of fact, Karine Jean-Pierre went to her Twitter account and said, the average national gas price has dropped below $4 per gallon, exclamation point. She's super excited. Below $4 per gallon. It was just over $2 a gallon when Joe Biden took office. But that's beside the point. It's right now, according to AAA, $3.99 a gallon. So you're welcome, America. And if it's not good enough for you, here's a double middle finger salute is the Biden administration. That's their attitude. Yeah, you're getting screwed relative to what we were when we took office, but relative to where we were at our absolute worst, at least so far, you're doing great. So stop it. To use the wife beater analogy again, in May, you beat your wife 50 times. In June, you beat your wife 50 times. But in July, you only beat your wife 40 times. Congratulations. That's a, what is that, a 20% drop in the number of beatings. Congratulations. I don't know what you're complaining about. You got 20% uh, fewer beatings. Quit whining. Hey, that's, that's great. Except this is the government doing it. Now, what's funny is Karine Jean-Pierre spent an awful lot of time when gas prices were skyrocketing and originally talking about how the president has no control over it. No control over it whatsoever. She says, POTUS promised he would address Putin's price hike at the pump, and he's delivering. But he couldn't do anything about it, I thought. 
more work remains, but prices are coming down, and the president will continue to call on domestic and international oil producers to increase output so they can continue to come down. Yet they haven't produced more. Every attempt by the domestic oil producers has been met with denials by the EPA. So they haven't been able to increase production here in the United States in any appreciable amount. He went to Saudi Arabia to beg, expressly to beg, for more oil production, and they told him to get bent. What is causing the gas prices to drop is Americans were driving significantly less when gas was $5 a gallon. They couldn't afford it. So market forces said, we're, we're selling less gas. We need to sell gas need to get rid of the gas. There's more gas coming in the pipeline, so there's more supply. Therefore, there is downward pressure on the price. We're still nowhere near it was when Joe Biden started screwing over the oil and gas industry in this country. It is not because of Joe Biden that gas prices have fallen. Well, actually, it's the incompetence of Joe Biden caused gas prices to go too high, caused inflation everywhere else, caused almost 10% inflation everywhere else, caused people to drive less, all thanks to Joe Biden's incompetence, which then caused gas companies, oil and gas companies, to lower the price of gasoline because they have too much supply. Not sure that's a victory. I'm not sure walking into a room where people are setting up dominoes and then just kicking a whole bunch of them is a real victory for uh, the fight against inner ear balance infections or something like that. Seems to be what he is. He accidentally stumbled into, he made things so bad that gasoline, that gas stations had to lower the price at the pump because they weren't selling any. Congratulations are in order. I'm not, I'm not sure I would celebrate that. But then again, I'm not a liberal Democrat. By the way, uh, just a quick note on the IRS thing. <laughs> Funny. Remember Democrats swearing left and right. Hey, uh, those, uh, those uh, 87,000, they're not going to be uh, targeting the middle class in any way, shape, or form, even though the vast majority of audits target the middle class. And they're a much easier, softer target. You go after the middle class, you get a letter from the IRS, you go, hey, wait, okay, how much do I owe? All right, can we set up a payment plan? You just kind of assume, because you don't go, well, I need to talk to my team of accountants. Not very often do middle-class folks have a team of accountants where they can simply go and say, uh, Dewey, Cheatham, and how make sure that you go through my returns with a fine-tooth comb and fight them tooth or nail. Make sure we get the best deal possible. No, it's, uh, it's some guy with TurboTax going, oh, crap, the IRS wants to talk to me. How much do I owe? And I'll find a way to pay you. All right, can we set up payment? We'll do it. Okay, good, good, good. We'll do it, whatever you want. Whereas the rich guy goes, you don't even talk to me. It's a rich guy might not even know he's being audited. It got so many people between that guy and the accountant where they're just like, I don't, I don't know what's going on uh, with my finances. I have uh, lawyers that handle these sorts of things and it, they're no, their lives are never impacted. They'll fight it tooth and nail. And so finally the IRS will go, you know what? We'll take uh, 10 cents on the dollar. Take 10 cents on the dollar. We'll call it a day just to put this behind us. And sometimes they probably go, no, I'm not even going to give you 10 cents on the dollar. I'm having fun doing this. So uh, the Democrats were swearing, don't worry, we're not coming after you. We won't. We would never go in. Not you. We love you. 
Yet they rejected every attempt that Republicans had to put amendments in the piece of legislation that said expressly that this money cannot be used to run audits on people making $400,000 a year or less. Just putting what they pinky swore, what Democrats pinky swore, into the legislation. Democrats blocked it. Why? Because they're lying. Because they're lying. They're lying. Well, now, a further point. Now, keep in mind, at this point, the bill has not even passed the House of Representatives. It is not law. They're just doing this for show. CNN reports, gleefully reports. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen on Wednesday directed the Internal Revenue Service not to use any of the new funding allocated in the Democrats' new health care and climate bill. Wait, I thought it's funny how they refer to it because it's the Inflation Reduction Act. At least that's what it was called, what it was pretending to be. But now it's a new health care and climate bill to increase the chances of Americans making less than $400,000 a year getting audited, according to a copy of the letter obtained exclusively by CNN, which means the IRS sat around and said, where will we get the, uh, who, what, what sock puppet out there will report this garbage exactly how we want it? CNN will? All right, let's just go to CNN. The letter to IRS Commissioner Charles Rettig comes amid attacks from Republicans, a damn Republican attacks. You know, if Democrats really meant this, they could easily have put this in the legislation. What difference does it make whether it's a letter from the Treasury Secretary or it is a uh, an amendment to the legislation? Well, uh, <clears throat> I'll tell you that the difference is very, very big. Viva la difference, if you will. Um, a letter from the Secretary of the Treasury is neat. It's a little keepsake. You can fold and frame and put it on your wall and every, you can show it to your friends when they come over. Look at that. Janet Yellen said you can't do this. Whereas a uh, piece of legislation amended to say this means that you can't do it. Means that you can't do it. A letter from the Secretary of the Treasury is not legally binding. It's not an order. It's a, hey, make sure, do all you can. To make sure, don't use any, don't use any of that money. Is not the same as you cannot use this money for this. And by the way, there are ways around that too. Here's how a simple government bureaucrat, uh, treasury secretary could get around this. Say you got you want a hundred million dollars to go after the middle class, and you go, "Ooh, these uh, this ten billion dollars we're getting." from this bill we can do that it'll be awesome it'll be awesome actually they're talking about raising uh, funding for the irs 124 billion dollars but i'll just use round numbers say you got uh, you got 10 billion dollars coming into the irs and but you can't use any of that money for uh, for audits of the middle class so you go okay well that's fair well, this department over here that, I don't know, looks at automobile dealerships or whatever, they have an annual budget of $1 billion. So we'll take a billion from that department that has a, well, let's say they have an operating budget of $2 billion. So we'll take a billion dollars from them and put that toward auditing the middle class. And then we'll take a billion from the $10 billion in funding we just got and put that into checking out auto dealers 
And you say, wait a second, that's you're now you've increased the funding for auditing the middle class by a billion dollars. You're not allowed to do that. Well, we we're not doing that. We took that money from the scrutiny of the car dealerships and shifted that money around and then we replaced the money from the car dealerships that we put to auditing the middle class. We replaced that with the money we're not allowed to spend on the middle class. Like, oh no, you're violating the express spirit of the law. It's the same way all of Washington works. Oh, here's a hundred million dollars for Planned Parenthood. The government cannot spend money on abortions. We're not spending the money on abortions. We're spending it on the other services that Planned Parenthood does. Well, what other, aside from political campaign activities on behalf of Democrats, Planned Parenthood doesn't do a whole hell of a lot except for abortions. But they've got a lot of staff on board that do the abortions. They'll pay the staff out of that money. But if you have an operating budget of $100 million, you get another $100 million. You can displace a whole bunch of that $100 million that you have with the new money. So that frees up the money you have to spend it on abortions, really to spend it on political campaigns for Democrats. So you give them a hundred million of our money, and then they spend sixty million on all the support apparatus for abortions, skirting the Hyde Amendment, and they take the other forty million and they use that for political activity to elect more Democrats, so that next year. They can get another hundred million, maybe get a hundred and ten million or a hundred and twenty million. See how that works. So the Treasury Secretary writing a letter saying, "Do all you can to make sure that you don't use any of this money that we haven't gotten yet, but we will probably get that you don't use any of that money to audit the middle class." Means absolutely nothing, quite frankly, because she can just say, "You know what? That letter I wrote. Now that this is the law, ignore that letter." Because that letter has no force of law. It has the force of uh, the boss saying, hey, put the chair over in that corner. No, no, the other corner. That's what force it has. If it's not in the legislation, it doesn't matter. Discretion of the bureaucracy, when the bureaucracy is liberal, is always going to be on the side of liberals. If Janet Yellen wants to audit the middle class, They'll audit the middle class. Maybe it won't be Janet Yellen. Maybe Janet Yellen will let her framed letter sit there on the wall as semi-official policy until she leaves office. And whoever comes next will look at that. And they're not going to go, geez, how do I, what do I do? There's a framed letter from Janet Yellen saying, don't audit the middle class with this money. How do I get around that? No, they'll just go, see that framed letter from Janet Yellen? Will you take that down, put it in the closet? And oh, by the way, Let's really go after the middle class because that's where more people are. There's more money there. There's, there's like a thousand billionaires in this country. You don't need 87,000 IRS agents to go after a thousand people. There are a lot of millionaires in this country, but they're not going after them either. They're coming after you. That's how it works. So Janet Yellen's little letter gets good PR it means absolutely nothing because Democrats expressly kept it out of the legislation. I want to give you a cautionary tale before we run out of time here. And it's, I'm a cynic. I'm a mean person. And so eh, I, I find the humor in this. But let's get in the way back machine just to last year. It is out of Oxfordshire County, England. 
God, they Eng, England like sat together and said, "We you know what we need to come up with the uh, the most British sounding name, Oxfordshire." There it is, right there, Oxfordshire. This the headline: Oxfordshire County Council vows to fight plans for two mile Abingdon Reservoir. Reservoir. The he- subheadline. Conciliars warned the proposed reservoir in Abingdon would affect every single person in this county. Very concerned about building a water reservoir up there. So Oxfordshire Council, County Council has unanimously backed a call for independent scrutiny over renewed plans for a controversial reservoir in Abingdon that would stretch two miles across. Off what? (laughs) Of what, I guess. O-F-W-A-T, all one word. The water regulator in England and Wales launched a public consultation over 15 solutions to meet the nation's water needs, which includes the Southeast Strategic Reservoir Option, a proposed reservoir in Abington. Well, the county council was very upset. They did not want this water reservoir, the people, the environmental impact, the environmentalist nut jobs, they did not want this at all. Smash cut to today. Headline in the UK Guardian. Quote, this is the future, end quote, coal in the Oxfordshire village living without running water. <laughs> Careful what you wish for. They could have, they had the option Yes, believe it or not. Before Carolyn Evans set foot in the shower Wednesday morning, she set a five-minute timer as an emergency tanker outside supplied water. Not enough time, she discovered, to wash her hair as well. How, how long does it take? How much hair you got? For Evans, who has lived in a small village of North End for 12 years, it's anxiety-inducing. She's very, very upset. This is the reality for residents of the village, which straddles Buckinghamshire and Oxfordshire, who have been made reliant on water bottles and tank water in conditions described as, quote, worse than camping. And right in there is the the town of Abingdon. They don't have any water. Why? Because the leftist environmentalist nutballs said, we don't, reservoir, a reservoir would be horribly disrupted for the natural flow of water. We don't want that. It's like looking into the future. All these problems that we're dealing with from an environmental standpoint are usually caused by government and or environmentalists. There are horrible floods, horrible floods in the United States. Every year there are horrible floods in the United States. You know where those horrible floods in the United States generally take place? In the same places, we've always had horrible floods. Just like I can promise you that to the extent that we have hurricane damage this hurricane season, it will be where there are hurricanes. I don't think Seattle, Washington is going to have much of a problem. They're not going to have to dip into their emergency hurricane funds. They'll be covered. They'll be safe. Florida... Louisiana, the Gulf Coast in general, up the, maybe the Carolinas, they might get some damage if hurricanes hit there. But in general, they build to deal with hurricanes. Like whoever thought building New Orleans, like, hey, let's build a city below sea level on the sea. We'll just put up a wall. We'll put up some walls. Be, I'm not sure who that person was. Somebody should have probably stopped them. But in general, where these things happened are, happen are where these things happen. Floods occur largely, though not exclusively, in floodplains. 
So if you wish to avoid a flood, you can never fully avoid a flood. You can't, you know, you want to make God laugh, make a plan. But you can significantly increase your odds against getting flooded by not building in a floodplain. Pro tip out there. Lastly, I just want to leave you with uh, Governor Hairdo. God, this guy, Gavin Newsom, California. He so desperately wants to be president. He is banking on Democrats either looking at Joe Biden and going, oh, my God, I can't stand this guy. We need somebody else. Or Joe Biden simply not making it to 2024. Both are possible. Both are, are possible. So he keeps on releasing various campaign videos that have nothing to do with his run for re-election in California, because that's a foregone conclusion that he'll win that. Uh, but campaign videos that try and raise his profile against people like Ron DeSantis and Greg Abbott instead. And he released this one about vaccine mandates. And he thinks he's clever. I assume he thinks he's clever. I assume he always thought he was clever. I thought, I thought he was clever when he was screwing around on his wife with his best friend's wife. I'm sure he thought he was wildly clever then, too. But listen to this. Hey, everybody. It's Governor Gavin Newsom here once again with all of you seeking one thing. We all have this in common. That's the truth. And the truth is, every single night we turn on the TV, you see some of these freedom-loving governors, Florida, Texas, and elsewhere, railing against vaccine mandates, particularly COVID vaccine mandates. But the truth is, every single one of them, led by Ron in Florida, are mandating vaccines for your kids in their states. You can't get into public schools in Florida without seven mandated vaccines. So my question to all of you, is that hypocrisy or is that just fraud? Is that hypocrisy or is that just fraud? Well, Gavin, let's take a look at those vaccines. They're vaccines that do what? They prevent you from getting a disease. The COVID vaccine, what does it do? It does nothing. If you are a young child, particularly a male, it significantly increases your prospects for severe heart problems. But other than that, it doesn't do much about your prospects of getting COVID. Our president is double vaxxed and triple boosted, quadruple boosted. Who knows how many shots the man has had by now? He's a pincushion. He's too dumb to be able to remember. Once he gets past one hand's worth of fingers, he can't count any higher anyway. But uh, is, uh, the real question here is, since Gavin Newsom is such a fan of mandating vaccines, is he going to mandate monkeypox vaccines for elementary school kids? Why not? Anybody can get monkeypox, right? Although if you're somewhere where kids are getting monkeypox, you might, you might want to look into the Democratic donor base and find out what the hell's going on there. You just, just say it, throwing that out there to make of that what you will. All right, that's enough for today. That's enough out of you. It's enough out of you, mister. Uh, have a happy, glorious Friday. God, I love, love, love Fridays. Um, and what else? Oh, don't forget to go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast for the week in F and review or at DerekHunter.locals.com where you get the same content. Enter the contest there, all that good stuff. So I'll see you hopefully at midnight and or back here on Monday. Have an awesome weekend. Next week, by the way, well, I'll tell you next week. Have a great, no reason to burden you on a Friday. Have a great weekend. We'll see you uh, hopefully tomorrow.